This is Jeff Cross, and welcome to the July 5th, 2023 edition of Views on the News from the Couch, a baby boomer's attempt to pass along his views on the news. Quick hitters. An actor from the Sopranos series says that he can discriminate against viewers of his work because the Supreme Court ruled a Colorado website designer did not have to do custom work for a same-sex marriage. My understanding is that both sides in the website designer case stipulated that the designer would do typical ordinary work for anyone, not custom work for a same-sex marriage. Me, I think why not do the work, but the court ruled it was a free speech issue. Her choice. Just like the Sopranos actor should not be forced to accept a job as an actor that would tell a story that he was philosophically opposed to. Cheap Russian drones are attacking Ukrainian cities. Is that the future of warfare? Is the countermeasure to turn off the global positioning satellite system? Or if the drones are used to attack infantry, will the shotgun make a return to the battlefield? It is being reported that yesterday was the hottest day ever, globally. The Wall Street Journal has an interesting linked article on a cancer drug that is in short supply. My understanding is that it is a generic drug, and a significant amount of the supply was made at an Indian plant that the FDA shut down, at least temporarily, due to a quality issue. Big quality issue, then great for the FDA. A bit of a minor issue, then maybe the FDA should have worked with the plant because not having the drug is a huge issue to some cancer patients. Moving on. I really meant to read the 200-page affirmative action decision and a pine a bit on the student loan case and a bit more on the Colorado website designer mentioned above. But I had too many projects this weekend, got overheated golfing, and did some drinking. Happy belated 4th of July, by the way. A frequent listener texted me the following, quote, I had a smart friend say to me that it's horrible how the Republican bias Supreme Court is messing everything up. I then asked what did they get wrong in Dobbs, student loans, college acceptance, or any other decision. Complete silence. End quote. That resonated with me. The issue is not that the Supreme Court made a wrong decision as a constitution-based law-following institution. It is that it followed the Constitution and the written laws, which did not result in the decisions some wanted. So what is the purpose or the role of the Supreme Court? Maybe the easiest way to share my view is to say what it is not. It is not a second legislature. It is not a second bite at the legislative apple. It feels to me that is what liberals want. They want the Supreme Court to rule how they want, untethered from the Constitution or laws passed by the legislatures. And you know what? If that's the game, let's play it. If we want a majority of five Supreme Court justices to be able to make sweeping decisions unrelated to the Constitution or the legislature, then let's have both sides play the game. Republican-appointed justices outnumber Democratic-appointed justices six to three, and Thomas, the oldest, seems to be in good health. Put him on an IV if he weakens and, weakens, and we can possibly run this out for 20 or more years. Seriously, if the feeling on the left is that justices have a lot of leeway on how they rule and don't have to abide by the Constitution, then those six can make some interesting decisions. 
or maybe five, Chief Justice Roberts is either moderate or in a Sisyphean struggle to save the reputation of the court. Me, I prefer Constitution and our legislatures passing laws and the Supreme Court playing a limited role in interpreting those. How say you? In a three-branch constitutional system like ours, often there is tension between the legislative, executive, and judicial branches. Jonathan Turley has an interesting piece saying that Schumer, the head of the legislative branch, is basically making the argument that instead of the legislature legislating, they want the judiciary, the Supreme Court, to do the legislative job. I like this line in Turley's article, quote, All of this is meant to avoid the one option left to the president, going to Congress. After all, the last thing you want in the defense of democracy is to have an outbreak of democratic process, end quote. And one refrain I've heard of late is that the Supreme Court is anti-democratic. Anti-democratic. What does that word mean? On a simplistic level, it might mean contrary to the wishes of the people. But in our representative democracy style of government, our elective officials might, in my view, democratically do what is best for the country, even if it is not the most popular choice. Still, you would think if you make the charge anti-democratic, that your position would be somewhat tethered to the popular will of the people. I link to an article in Bloomberg by Victoria Cavalieri titled, Americans divided over landmark Supreme Court decisions in poll. The article opens with, quote, about half of Americans support the Supreme Court decision curtailing the use of race in college admissions, and a third disapprove, with views splitting along racial and ethnic lines in a poll published Sunday, end quote. Huh, not so anti-democratic. Now, as a policy matter, that does not mean the people are right. And as a legal matter, it does not mean the Supreme Court was right. But let's cut out the anti-democratic language. In this article, the author quotes AOC as saying that the recent Supreme Court rulings, quote, signal a dangerous creep towards authoritarianism and centralization of power, end quote. Yeah, right. Nothing says authoritarianism and centralization of power like a Supreme Court ruling in Dobbs that the Supreme Court has nothing to do with abortion and that the legislatures have the call. But do facts matter? In fact, do words like anti-democratic matter? I think our betters have shown that the definition of words can be twisted at will. The same Bloomberg article says, quote, the court's rejection of Biden's student loan forgiveness plan met with 45% approval in the ABC News poll while 40% disapproved, end quote. Anti-democratic? But if some in the media say anti-democratic often enough, that thought will be burned into the collective psyche. On affirmative action, I'm starting to wonder if the Supreme Court even overturned anything. In fact, I think the argument could be made that the Supreme Court did not overrule previous rulings, but re-emphasize the positions in previous rulings without quite saying that. News One had an interesting article by Bilal Morris titled, A Brief History of Affirmative Action in America. Per the author, 
Kennedy and Johnson were good guys on this subject. Quote, in 1961, Kennedy issued an executive order which included a provision that government contractors take affirmative action to ensure that applicants are employed and employees are treated during employment without regards to race, creed, color, or national origin. In 1965, President Lyndon B. Johnson issued another executive order prohibiting employment discrimination based on race, color, religion, and national origin by those organizations receiving federal contracts and subcontracts. In 67, Johnson amended the order to include sex on the list of attributes. End quote. Opponents claim this created a quota system. In the order... Article, the author says specific to affirmative action in schools that, quote, in the 1978 University of California versus Bakke case, the Supreme Court ruled that a university's use of racial quotas in its admission process was unconstitutional, but the school had the right to use race in admissions in order to create a diverse student body, end quote. A bit later in the article, the author says, quote, and this is still in the Bakke case, Ultimately, schools were allowed to use race as long as it was, only, it was only one of many factors taken into account when admitting students, end quotes. Huh, is that very far from the recent support Supreme Court ruling? You can't just say all of one race gets a significant advantage, but you can take an individual's specific circumstances into account. Straying from the article, I note that in 2003, the Supreme Court ruled in Grutter v. Bollinger per Wikipedia that, quote, the court held that a student admissions process that favors underrepresented minority groups did not violate the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause so long as it took into account other factors evaluated on an individual basis for every applicant. The decision largely upheld the court's decision in regents of the University of California versus Bakke, which allowed race to be a consideration in admissions policy, but held racial quotas to be unconstitutional. In Gratz versus Bollinger, a separate case decided on the same day as Grutter, the court struck down a points-based admissions system that awarded an automatic bonus to the admission scores of minority applicants, end quote. Further, Wikipedia quotes Justice O'Connor as saying, quote, race-conscious race admissions policies must be limited in time, end quote, adding that the, quote, courts expect that 25 years from now, the use of racial preferences will no longer be necessary to further the interest approved today, end quote. In layman's term, the Supreme Court said you can take race into account, but not too much, and we are not doing this forever. Rather than overturning previous court rulings, I think the Supreme Court is very consistent with Bakke and Grutter. Maybe the recent ruling would have been better to have stated that colleges were violating the previous rulings. I won't dwell on it, but Jonathan Turley makes the comment that the left argued to the court that colleges only took race into account as one of many factors, and it made only limited difference, while at the same time arguing that the impact of the ruling would be enormous. Guys, pick a lane. And data showed the impact was enormous. 
As we discuss affirmative action, what are we not talking about? Solving the problem. Black children are underachieving and disproportionately live in urban areas run by liberals. Are the liberal policies working? Are the education programs working? I anticipate that liberals will say the issue is that the U.S. is not spending enough money on education. At this point, I started to do some research on the subject and found data that showed that argument would be bullshit. That doesn't surprise me because I have looked into this issue in the past. But I'm not going to share any specifics because shouldn't anyone making that argument have to do so with facts? Too often they just make their claims and someone else has to do cleanup in aisle four. We have a subset of our society that is not achieving. Not because of DNA, not because of evolution to say it another way, but because of the circumstances they are in and the expectations, I argue, that are presented. Should we take actions to improve the achievement or hand out participation trophies to everyone? And what are our worldwide competitors doing? Thanks for listening to Views on the News from the Couch. If you like this podcast, please share with your friends. If you did not like it, please share with the rest of the folks you know.